morning, everyone. Well, well done again to the music school. How great was that? And just want to give a special thanks to the teachers, Auntie Bev and Auntie Charmaine. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you've sown into those musicians. And it was so wonderful to see how their skill has developed and also to see how they're worshiping, worship, leading us in worship. I can still see the youngster over here worshiping the Lord with all his heart and how precious that is. So thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. You may have seen, um, if you're on the WhatsApp group, the title for today's message is, Is Complaining a Sin? And I hope that that has been some food for thought, and we'll get to that question a little bit later. But uh, today I wanted to speak on practicing giving. That's my bad, sorry. Practicing Thanksgiving. And I remember when my parents used to say, back in my day when I was, I used to roll my eyes and think, here we go, here's another lecture. <laughs> and at the risk of doing that to you guys today, I, I wanted to say, when I was young, <laughs> back, not that I'm that old, I believe, but, but I just remember that, <laughs> Gavin says I am, but gratitude and thanksgiving, it seemed to be a virtue that was more highly valued. It seemed to be something that was practiced more and, and just valued more. And I know I'm generalizing and you may well disagree with me, but it, it just seems to me like in the world today, there's more of a sense of entitlement and more of a sense of, well, we just deserve this. And it's hard to be thankful for something which you just think you deserve. And, you know, I chuckled to myself yesterday when I was remembering what it was like on my, it was my sixth or seventh birthday. And I just remember my mom said to me before the party started, she says, Stephen, no matter what presents you receive today, you must be thankful. And my mom is quite a strict, well, she's not strict with our children, funnily enough, but with us, she was very strict. And so I just, and that was, that statement was put to the test. I just remember how, I think I got lots of great toys. And as a six-year-old, you're excited for He-Man figurines and, you know, back in the day then and Lego. And I remember I started unwrapping the one present, I think from, from one of the aunties. And as I started unwrapping this thing, I could see it was an educational puzzle. And it was almost a reflex. I just wanted to let out the sigh of, oh, but, but but I could feel in that moment my mom's eyes burning on me. <laughs> and I didn't even have to look up because I knew my mom was giving me the look. And, and she may have even said, maybe I blotted it out of my memory. She may have even said, Stephen. <laughs> but I just remember in that moment I exchanged the sigh for a thank you. <laughs> for and it was a moment where maybe it wasn't the most genuine gratitude, but at least there was a thank you. Thank you for what you've given me. And, you know, I've just been thinking the Lord is so pleased with genuine thankfulness, genuine gratitude, because that's when we recognize who He is and what He's done for us. And we take it back to Him and honor Him and thank Him for it. We don't just take it for granted, but we actually return it to Him and say, thank you, Lord. I don't, I don't just miss that, but I, I see what you've done in my life, and I'm so grateful, Lord. And that blesses him. And, and I wanted to call this message Practicing Thanksgiving because it really is something we need to practice. If I look at my life, and more importantly, if I look what's in the Word, in the Bible, Thanksgiving is not always something that comes naturally to us. In fact, I think it's far easier 
to complain and to grumble. And when other people to complain, to jump in and join in with them. I've been surprised how easy it is to do that, just to join in. And before we know it, you know, there can be some serious consequences to that. And so that's what I was wanting to look into today. Um, Can I pray for us before we go any further? Um, Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, that it's you who works in us to will and to act according to your good purpose. So, Father, I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray, Father, would you make us more like Jesus? Lord, if there needs to be a change in our hearts and our minds, I thank you, Lord, that you would help us and you would show us. And, Lord Jesus, we want to look to you. We thank you for your grace that's sufficient in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So is complaining a sin? And I wonder if I had to pass this mark around, what kind of answers we would get. You know, what, what, what we would say. Maybe some people would say, no. Maybe some would say, yes, it is a sin. Maybe some people would say, it is a sin, but it's not that serious, man. There's way worse sins than that. Maybe some people would even say, ah, man, with this load shedding, with everything that's happening, everybody does it. Come on, relax. It's not a big deal. Now, what's, what's your answer today? And... The best place we can go to for the answer, of course, is the Scripture. What does the Bible say? And we know that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And, and I have to admit, if I, as I've looked at the Scriptures, I've felt a bit of cutting. I've felt some cutting, and that's good in a way. And I, and I thank the Lord for the way that He does that. We need to be cut and challenged sometimes so that we can become more like Jesus. And Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15 says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Okay, so that was quite a quick one. The question's already been answered. <laughs> is complaining a sin? Yes, it is, because this is a command here. It says do everything without complaining or arguing and that word everything, if you look it up, it means everything. <laughs> it's not when there's no load shedding. It's not when the sun is shining. It means that we should do everything without complaining. And, and I have to be honest, that second part really challenges me where it talks about shining like stars in the universe. And that's speaking of us shining the hope of Christ and the light of Christ in the world. And the problem with grumbling and complaining is when we do that, we stop shining for Jesus. We stop coming in the opposite and showing the world the hope that there is in Christ. And this really challenges me personally because if I can just be honest, in the last week, I had a really bad week at work. And one of my colleagues, I'm not trying to blame them, it's not their fault, but one of my colleagues was complaining and I joined in with their complaining. And the scary thing for me is before I knew it, I was grumbling in my heart and I was really not enjoying my work and I was complaining about the clients and I, was, I woke up not looking forward to the day of work and, and my attitude just got worse and worse and worse. I had stinking thinking, if you want to put it like that. And I thank the Lord for my wife who helps me a lot. <laughs> says, hey, just get some sleep. Your attitude is, <laughs> is not good and I... I thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit who convicts us of our sin. And it's almost like the Lord shone a torch into my heart and he showed me the condition of my heart, which was, it was really not good. And I could see how stinking my thinking was. 
And in, and in that place, I had an opportunity to repent. And I, I really had to get down on my knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry for complaining. I'm grateful for my job, Lord. I know there's so many people who are desperate for work. I thank you, Lord, for my work. And I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity I have to, to be a witness to people at my workplace. And I thank you, Lord, that I actually enjoy this work. You've put me in this place for a reason. And I just kept thanking the Lord. And you know what was amazing for me was the shift that takes place in our hearts when we start to thank God. My emotional condition changed. I went from a place of depression or borderline depression to a place of, this isn't so bad, man. The client is still complaining the whole time. The deadlines are yesterday. <laughs> the work is tough. Nobody's giving us, are there any developers here today? I know there's, yes. When your FTDs are one line, but they expect you to know what to do, that's all the same. But when we've got a thankful heart and we trust God and we approach the day with Him, it's not so bad. And I could say, thank you, Lord. You will help me with all of this and we'll get through the day together. I was amazed at how there was a shift and, and the joy of the Lord returned. And so that's why I'm actually speaking on this topic today, because of how the Lord challenged me on this. And the most challenging portion of Scripture for me was actually reading through Numbers 13 and 14. And this is not an easy passage of Scripture to read through. And just on a side note, we need to be careful of only reading those parts of the Bible which are easy to read. We need to, of course, read all of the Bible, even those parts that are really challenging. And in Numbers 13 and 14, what we see is, just to give you guys a bit of context, the Lord, we know the Lord has supernaturally rescued the Israelites out of Egypt. He's now he has led them supernaturally, a pillar of cloud by day and a, a pillar of fire by night. He's providing for them. He's looking after them. So they've seen the Lord move mightily for them. And now he's, he's basically saying, and I just want to read it from the scripture because this first verse is so important. The Lord, it says in Numbers 13 verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So Moses sends 12 men, and these men were leaders of their tribes. It's important to remember that, to go and explore the land. And so these guys went to go and explore the land, and, and um, then they came back after 40 days. And after 40 days, they gave this report. They said it's a land flowing with milk and honey. There is amazing fruit there. In, in fact, two of the guys came carrying a pole with one cluster of grapes on it. You know, I imagine those grapes were probably like apples if, if it was that big. And so there was amazing fruit there, but then there's a but. And then they said, but the people that are living there are powerful. They're like giants, and the towns are fortified. And Caleb sees what's going on. He sees that fear is starting to spread in the camp. And so Caleb tries to silence them. And he says, but guys, come on. God has said we can go into this land. Surely we can do it. Let's go. But unfortunately, he gets silenced again by, the, by these guys, and they just carry on speaking negatively. They carry on grumbling. And, it, and, and Caleb's account in Joshua even says that, but my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. You know, and that's the danger of grumbling. And eventually, 
if we fast forward a bit and go to chapter 14, it says that all the people of the community started grumbling and complaining. It's amazing. It spreads like wildfire. And um, eventually they even said things like this, the community of Israel. Imagine this. They said things like, if only we had died in Egypt. And they even started attacking the character of God. They said, did the Lord bring us here into our, this promised land just so that we can die by the sword? Is this what he's doing to us? And they, they started plotting amongst themselves and saying, let's appoint a leader who can take us back to Egypt so we can rather be slaves there again. I mean, it's crazy, the complaining and the rebelling and the grumbling. And it says that when, when Moses and Aaron heard this, they fell face down before the Lord. Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes they tried to appeal to the people once again. They said, come on, guys, let's not rebel against the Lord like this. But it says that the people actually wanted to stone them. And then eventually, in verse 11, we see the response of the Lord. And I have to be honest, I've, I've read this passage a few times, but I was really surprised by how much this angered the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses in verse 11, how long? Will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I've performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But I will make you into a great nation and stronger than they. We know what happens. Moses appeals to the Lord and he says, Lord, these are your people. What will the nation say if, you're, if you destroy your people? Please have mercy on us. Have mercy. And it's, it's a bit of a side note, but it's amazing for me the relationship that Moses has with the Lord. And he pleads, and the, and the Lord hears him. And eventually, the Lord says, I will forgive this community, but this is the judgment he pronounces upon them. And he says that none of them, except Caleb and Joshua, will enter the promised land. The men responsible for spreading the bad report were struck down dead from a plague. Everyone that was 20 years and older would die in the desert. Their children would wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So I think you guys get the picture. There were some very serious consequences to this grumbling and rebellion. And, and what can we learn from this passage? What can we learn from it? And firstly, if we look at verse 1, we need to remember that the Lord said, explore the land Canaan that I'm giving to you. And remember what Alex preached so well last week. We need to take the Lord at his word. The Lord didn't say, hey guys, go check it out. See if you've got bigger biceps than those guys. And if you do, you can decide whether you want to go in or not. No, he said, I'm giving you this land. That's not a burden for you to worry about, the giants and that. But go and check it out. Um, go and see what's, what's in there. And I was praying about it yesterday, and I, I, just, I just felt to ask the Lord, why did you send the spies in when you knew they would see giants? And, and I, just, I just felt like that part about Moses appointing the leaders was important. These guys were leaders. They were supposed to be, they were the leaders of their tribes. They were supposed to be mature and to influence the people positively. So they were supposed to go in and see the abundance of fruit and see how wonderful it is. Yes, they were also supposed to see the opposition, the challenges. 
But I believe there was an opportunity there where the Lord wanted them to rely on what he said, that I'm giving you this land. And he wanted them to rely on what he had already done for them. Guys, I've already displayed my faithfulness to you. And I, I believe, they, <laughs> obviously, it's tragic that they didn't respond in that way. And, and the influence was negative to all the people. And, and we need to remember that every trial, every disappointment, every hardship we face is an opportunity for us to respond in faith, to respond in thanksgiving. Remember who he is and what he's done for us, not to just focus on the circumstances. I'm amazed at how forgetful I can be. I'm amazed at how many times I worry about the same thing. And then I remember, Lord, but you've provided for me before. Why am I worrying again? Sorry, Lord. Let me trust in you. What, what else can we learn from this passage? That grumbling is vocalizing the discontent and unbelief in our hearts. And the grumbling and complaining spreads like wildfire. So just as the word says, out of the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. Friends, we need to be so careful what comes out. Is unbelief, is fear, is discontentment coming out? We need to be careful because that can influence other people. It can have an effect on those around us. It can influence our children and our friends and our families. What are we posting on social media? What are we putting on Facebook? What are we saying to our colleagues? I was guilty of that last week. What are we doing that might spread this unbelief and discontentment. You know, when I read this, it just made me think, I need to be so careful what comes out of my mouth. May my words echo faith and not, not unbelief. And then, and then yeah, another thing we see here, uh, and this was a harsh reality, is that if we persist in grumbling, we will not walk into everything that God has for us. We will not walk into the wonderful inheritance that He has for us. And I'm, I'm really not preaching doom yet today. Please, please hear my heart. Our Father is good. And He shows us the condition of our hearts sometimes so that we can repent and we can turn away from this stuff. And we can rather walk in faith so that we can walk into all that He has for us. But if we persist in grumbling, if we persist in rebelling against him, the sad reality is we won't walk into all that he has for us. But rather, let's be like Caleb and Joshua. And I love what verse 24 says about him. It says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Let's be like Caleb. Let's believe the Lord at his word and let's speak faith. Come on, guys. We can do it. Come on, guys. It's not that hard. God will help us. He is faithful to his word. Speak faith. So is grumbling a sin? I trust that this question has been answered now. Yes, it is a sin and it's a serious sin and it's something we need to be careful of. But what, what is the antidote for grumbling? What is the cure? And I just think of what Romans 12 verse 21 says. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
And God is calling us to come in the opposite spirit, a different spirit like Caleb and Joshua, to come with thanksgiving against grumbling. And that's why it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. And I remember once when we had home group, we were actually still staying at Phil and Sue's place in the, in the flat there in the enclosure. And we had home group at our flat. And afterwards, we would take everybody home. I would take yeah, quite a few people home in my car. And I remember that night I shared on Thanksgiving and how it's important to be thankful in all circumstances. And I, as I was driving out of the enclosure, back in that day, geez, I'm really sounding old today, <laughs> back in the day the whole time, there wasn't an electric boom. It was still manual. And it just so happened to be that as the guy opened the boom for me, as he pressed down to, the boom actually broke and landed on the roof of my car. <laughs> and, and it's quite heavy, actually. It dented the car quite badly. And I remember the guys in the car with me saying, yeah, time to give thanks, eh? <laughs> and it was a real test. And I, I have to be honest. At first, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Is this really happening but it's so true. It's not to give thanks for everything, because that could be a little bit silly. Thank you, Lord, for the dent in my roof now. You know, that's, that doesn't make sense. But, but no, but thank you, Lord. It's just a car. It's just a material thing. And thank you, Lord, this can be fixed. It doesn't matter. Thank you, Lord, that the joy I have in you will not be affected by this thing. It's not a big deal. Thank you, Lord. You are much greater than any trial or hardship I could face. I want to thank you, Lord. You've always been faithful. You've always provided for me. So I'm not going to let this get me down. Thank you, Lord. So it's not thanking him for everything, but thanking him in everything. I really like this quote uh, by Nancy Volchemuth, and I apologize for butchering her name, which I'm sure I've done. But she says, be thankful God has commanded it for our good and for His glory. God's command to be thankful is not the threatening demand of a tyrant. Rather, it is the invitation of a lifetime, the opportunity to draw near to Him at any moment of the day. And I just, there's so much in that quote. I just love it. It's, it's for our good, yes, but most importantly, it's for His glory. It glorifies the Lord when we're a thankful people. And just on that thing of it being for our good, you know, I, I was just so curious. What amazes me is God's ways are perfect. And like one scientist, it was a Christian scientist, I think it was Blaise Pascal, he said, as scientists, we are thinking God's thoughts after him. He's the creator, and all we're doing is we're discovering the wonder of his creation. His ways are perfect. And God has said, be thankful and now a lot of even secular scientists, people in the world, are discovering all the benefits of being thankful. And I found one secular article where, just listen to this, and this is not a Christian saying this, but they're saying Thanksgiving is so good for you. And they list all these things. It boosts your immune system. It improves mental health. It strengthens and improves bonds in relationships. It improves physical and heart health increases optimism and decreases negative thinking, reduces feelings of envy, aggression, and greed. It enhances empathy, improves sleep, 
And then, like, and then one of the one of the uh, sort of researchers said, this is likely because gratitude diminishes anxiety and stressful feelings, allowing for a more restful and relaxed entry to sleep. And sometimes I just imagine God the Father saying, "Yes, guys, I said this all along. You're just discovering what I've already said, but it, it is actually so beneficial to us also." And just coming back to that quote, the last part I love is that it's an invitation of a lifetime to draw near to Him. And I just think of that scripture that says that the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. And thanksgiving is such a wonderful way to draw near to our Father and to sense His presence. And even in this last week, as I started to thank the Lord more, I can just see, sense how pleased our Father is with us when we delight in Him. And I just, man, I just love the song we sang in, sang in worship. I'm not coming to you for blessings, Lord. I'm not coming to you for the things that you can do for me. I just want you. I just want to say thank you, Lord. And that blesses his heart. Something that's so important with thanksgiving is it shifts our focus. Andrew Murray said it so well when he said, let us thank God heartily as often as we pray that we have his spirit on us to teach us to pray. Thanksgiving will draw our hearts out to God and keep us engaged with him. It will take our attention from ourselves and give the spirit room in our hearts. And it's so true. Sometimes when we're grumbling, we're just looking at the circumstances we may, we may be facing. But thanksgiving allows us to see Christ. And causes us to look to him. And I just, I don't know what, yeah, I was just reminded of when we used to pray for people at the N17. And I, no, it's not the N17, the far east rand. And I hope we can do that again. Those were good times. But I, I just remembered how sometimes you would pray for somebody who's just been stabbed on the street. And that person is extremely humble. And they, you can see in their eyes they are desperate. And you share, you know, we would share something of the hope that we have in Christ. And I, I just, I'm just thinking of one guy in particular. He was so thirsty and so hungry for the Lord. You could just see the desperation in his eyes. And he was, please pray for me, please. And he was fighting for his life. And um, I just remember in that moment feeling, Lord, I'm helpless. I, if I could do anything for this guy right now, I would. I would give everything, you know, to, to help this guy to see. But, but Lord, I just realize how helpless I am. I can't do it. And I just felt the Lord say, just thank me. And that was an amazing moment of freedom for me because I just realized I am helpless. <laughs> but I know the one who's not helpless. What is impossible with man is not impossible with God. It's possible with God. And as I started to thank the Lord, I realized, man, I can't do anything for this guy. But, but Jesus can. Jesus, nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is beyond his reach. And as I started to give thanksgiving, it was a liberation for me. And I could see the hope in his eyes as he was also starting to look to Jesus, the only one who can save, the only one who can heal completely. And so thanksgiving is a wonderful key to shifting the focus from ourselves and shifting it to Jesus. It also keeps us from legalism. Legalism is us trying to perform to please God, because it's, we know that Christianity is so much more what God has done for us than what we can do for Him. And thanksgiving maintains that heart. 
So I'm going to go through these, these next few points quite quickly. But uh, f- Thanksgiving releases us from fear and anxiety because as somebody once said, we cannot worship and worry at the same time. Priscilla Shara said, when we choose thankful prayer over wallowing in anxiety and worry, we are demonstrating an unwavering trust in God. There are many links between thanksgiving and joy. Is there anybody here who doesn't want more joy in their life? I didn't think so. <laughs> and um, thanksgiving is, is so closely linked with joy. Gratitude produces deep, abiding joy because we know that God is working in us even through difficulties. Charles uh, Stanley said that. Contentment. You say, if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. You made a mistake. If you are content with what you have, sorry, if you are not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. Charles Spurgeon said that. And it's, it's so true, isn't it? Sometimes we can be thinking, if I just had this thing, if I just had what Gavin's got, if I just had what this, then I would be. But you never actually get there if that's your heart. Whereas if you say, Lord, I'm thankful for my portion. Thank you for what you've given me. That's a true key to real joy. Contentment in the Lord. But I wanted to finish with a passage of Scripture where we see how much Jesus cherished thankfulness. And you can turn there with me if you want to. It's in Luke 17, uh, verses 11 to 19. And I don't know why I thought this was a parable, but it's not a parable. It was Jesus with the ten lepers. And I'm just going to start reading from verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria, Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And just to remind us here what leprosy meant in those days. We don't hear that much about leprosy anymore, but leprosy in those days was incurable. If you, leprosy is a terrible skin disease, and if you had it, it was a death sentence. It was a slow, painful death. You had a death sentence on your life. And I think one of the, as- well, the aspects of leprosy that made it s- even worse was it, is hi- it was highly, it is highly contagious. And so you would actually be separated from your family. You would be separated from society. It was a Jewish law that if you had leprosy and I saw Dumisani coming down the road, I would have to shout, unclean, unclean, just to warn him not to come anywhere near me just in case he would get infected. And so you can just imagine the shame and the misery that must have been on these people that had le- uh, leprosy. It, it really, it was a death sentence. And, and some people even believed if you had leprosy, you were smitten by God. This was a punishment you deserved. And so there's all that judgment, all that shame on you. And so that, that's where these guys are at. And in verse 14, it says, When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And this is a very interesting miracle that Jesus performed here because he didn't perform it right there and then. He said, go. Go to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. As they obeyed, as they took him at his word, they were healed. And 
And the, going to the priest was a very practical thing because the priest would have to inspect you and look to see if you truly were healed. And if you were, you could be accepted back into society. You could go back to your community and your family. But until then, you were just not allowed to. So these guys were healed. And then it says in verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to, sorry, was no one found to return and give praise to God except the foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Amazing. And like I said, we don't really hear that much about leprosy these days. And maybe we could read this passage of Scripture and say, I've got it. You know, what this means is I must remember to say thank you. I must remember to say thank you to God. I want to be like that one. But there's actually quite a bit more to it than this. And I remember how Belinda explained it the one time that we're actually all included in what Jesus is saying here. Why? Because leprosy represents, in the Bible, it represents sin. And all of us have sinned. As it says in Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned. And so we all fall short of the glory of God. And so when we read this passage, we can actually include ourselves as one of those ten. We too had the shame of sin in us. We, our hearts were diseased with sin. We were slaves to sin. All we could do is sin. We were under God's judgment and wrath. We had a death sentence on our lives because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And ultimately what that means is we will go to hell as punishment because of our sin, our separation from God. And so just as these guys, you can imagine we're desperate. We too were in a desperate condition before the Lord with the leprosy of our heart. But praise God, it doesn't end there. But for Jesus... And the scripture says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so thank you, Jesus. Jesus heals the leprosy of our heart. In Christ, there is the forgiveness of sins. There's a, the forgiveness of sins, the healing of all the sores on our bodies. And there's the, the new heart. There's a new life that we have in him. And what I love, just thinking of this, is just how God also says in His Word, I will call those that are not my people, my people. Just as those lepers could now go back to their families, we are now called members of God's household. We can come and be called His sons and His daughters. How amazing is that? How amazing is it what Jesus has done for us, forgiven us completely? But then there's that question that Jesus asks at the end, and it's a really troubling question. And the part that bothers me the most is the one out of the ten. Only one out of the ten. I don't know about you, but 10% is, is really measly. It's, it's sad. And Jesus asks, where are the other nine? And I, I just wanted to ask us this morning as a church, what number? in what number do we find ourselves? Are we in that number where... We say, I have experienced the goodness of God. I have experienced His forgiveness. I have experienced His salvation. But I'm, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to live my own life for Stephen. 
And Lord, I hope that you can bless me again sometime. I'm just going to do my thing. Are we of that number, the nine out of the ten? Or are we in that, this number over here that says, Lord, sorry, <laughs> I see how you've forgiven me. You remember my sins no more, as Tanil shared with us. You've wiped away my past. You've given me another chance. You've accepted me into your family. I'm never alone. You are always with me, Lord. You've given me a hope and a future. I know I will be with you for eternity. And Lord, I want to come back to you. I want to come back to you and I want to say thank you, Lord. And I want to give you all the honor. And I want to live a life that is worthy of you, Lord. That is my thanksgiving to you. I want a life. I want to live a life that is worthy of you. Do we fall into that number, friends? In conclusion, when we complain, we are more mindful of our problems and our circumstances than the goodness of God. But when we are thankful, we remember who the Lord is and what He's done for us. Every trial and every hardship and every difficult situation we face is an opportunity for us to respond in faith and trust in the Lord, and do life with Him. The second last thing I want to say is, we were praying this morning, and I just felt reminded, church, God has an inheritance for us. He has a future for every one of us. He has things in mind for us. Let's not disqualify ourselves through grumbling and complaining. Let's be like Caleb and respond in faith. There are Big consequences, if I can put it like that. And the last thing I want to say is, yesterday as I was preparing this word, especially when I read that portion in, in Numbers, I really needed to repent. I just felt I couldn't carry on preparing. I had to stop and I had to say sorry. And I just, I just had to say, sorry, Lord, for doubting who you are, for doubting your faithfulness, for doubting what you've said. And I'm sorry, Lord, for grumbling and responding in fear. And Father, I want to turn away from that. And I want to trust you, Lord. And I want to be by your grace, Lord. And I realize how much I need your help. I want to be one of those who speaks faith, who trusts you, Lord, who encourages others. And is a, and is a life full of thanksgiving and praise towards you, a life that gives you glory. And, you know, repentance is a wonderful thing. I felt yesterday as I repented, I experienced the forgiveness and refreshing of the Lord. I felt His refreshment. And I, I felt that it's important to give an opportunity to us as His people to respond this morning. If the shoe fits. Um, if you too want to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Then I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to stand with me, and I would like to pray together. And, and I'm standing, I know, because I'm talking to you, but I'm also standing because I'm walking in repentance. I'm walking away from, I always point to the bad stuff on this side, sorry. I'm walking away from unbelief, fear, discontentment. And I'm saying, Lord, I want to live a life of thanksgiving to you. And I want to ask you this morning, right now, if you want to stand with me, please do stand with me. And let's ask the Lord for forgiveness. Let's ask Him to help us in this area. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you again, Lord, 
that it's you alone, Lord. Your word says that you work in us to will and to act according to your good purpose. And so, Father, we want to thank you for your grace in our lives this morning. We want to thank you, Lord, for your mercy in our lives this morning. Father, we want to humbly come before you. And, Father, we do want to say sorry, Lord. We want to say sorry where it's applicable, Lord, for doubting you, for doubting you at your word, for doubting your character, for doubting your goodness. Father, would you please forgive us? And, Father, we want to ask you to forgive us for responding in fear. Sorry, Lord, for doing it, sometimes without even realizing it. Lord, we ask you, forgive us. And, Father, we want to turn away from that. And we want to turn to you, Lord, and ask you, Father, for your grace to be a thankful people, to be a people of faith, to be a people who trusts you and believes you at your word. Father, I want to thank you for your thanksgiving and your praise to overflow out of our hearts. Help us to remember you, Lord. Help us to remember you in the darkest and the toughest of times. And I want to thank you, Lord, that your praises would be heard on our lips. I want to thank you, Lord. We would be shining stars in this world. We would be those who carry with us everywhere the hope and joy of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your grace, Lord. I thank you again, Lord, that you are merciful and you are gracious. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Bless your holy name. Amen. Amen.